AM 790 Talk and Business presents Water Fire Ignites Rhode Island with your host, Bronwyn Dannenfelser. Join Bronwyn to hear about the next Water Fire event in downtown Providence, plus other great cultural events happening in the community. Now, here's your host, Bronwyn Dannenfelser. And good afternoon and welcome to Water Fire Ignites Rhode Island, the newest one-hour talk show and entertainment program on AM 790, your station for talking business. And every Wednesday we are here with you behind the scenes, bringing you there, uh, behind the scenes to Water Fire and introducing you to some of not only our sponsors but our community partners. And I am here with my incredible co-host uh, and creative and artistic director of Water Fire, Barnaby Evans. Hello, Barnaby. Well, hello, Romo. I'm delighted to be here for another Wednesday. I know. You know what? It stopped raining. Thank God. There was a deluge this morning. I felt like I woke up in a car wash for some reason. Um, But, yeah, what a great water fire last weekend, huh? Oh, it was really remarkable, and we'll return to that in the second half. But it was Bastille Day, and it was such a beautiful event. Um, You know, we'll... We'll, we'll ask our guest here what uh, what he heard on the street, but people were, the city was full of joy and happiness and people wandering around. Wonderful night. Yeah, you, well, you know, and our guest here is uh, somebody that we absolutely adore. Um, we've got an exciting show today, everybody. Um, we're going to be giving you an exciting preview to a very special, special water fire event happening on August 9th. So not this next fire, but the following fire. So Saturday, August 9th, and we're celebrating a huge milestone for our men in blue, as they say, and Providence finest. And so here joining us uh, is our very own, I'm going to try to say this right, you ready? Colonel Hugh Clements, Chief of the Providence Police. Wow, you got it exactly right. I had it reversed at <coughs> first because I was like, what do you say first? Chief, Colonel, how does that all work? Either way, I'm good. <laughs> so we're so excited to have you here. It really is a pleasure to be here, Bronwyn and Barnaby, uh, to be in your company. I'm in your company a lot. Uh, I really enjoy the water fire event downtown, but I've never been on this show. So uh, this is new to me, but I, I need to say it, your... Uh, Organizers do such an incredible job at this event in downtown Providence, and uh, it's so important for the city, uh, every entity of the city, including the police department. And very, we're very much a part of what goes on down Absolutely. at Water Fire every other Saturday and every year, year after year. But uh, you really do an incredible job. Thank you so much. So thank, when we had to pick a yeah. signature event for the commemoration of our 150th anniversary, it became a no-brainer. So that's the big milestone, everybody, 150 years of the Providence Police. That's what we're celebrating this year, and we kick it off in August, right? Correct. And, you know, before we even go into that, I really want to commend you and the entire Providence Police Department. Um, You were recently, only just last week, wasn't it, or maybe two weeks ago, uh, you received a huge award. Can you explain a little bit about that? We did. Uh, two weeks ago, uh, we actually filled out an application probably eight months ago, and it was no easy doing. It was a 28-page uh, application to apply for the New England Association Chiefs of Police Community Policing Award for New England. We filled out the application. When I first saw the application, I immediately knew we would be one of the forerunners, and in fact, uh, we were notified that we won for 2013, and members of that executive board came down two weeks ago and formally presented the award to us. And it really is important for what we do day in and day out in the community. Uh, We are the capital city of Rhode Island. Uh, We are 
the second biggest police department in New England, and we feel like what we do on the street day in and day out is so integral to the movement of the state of Rhode Island and the city of Providence, and we're proud of the award. Oh, you should be terribly proud of the award. Could you take a moment to talk about what community policing is as a concept? Because I think the Providence Police Department has been leading in this for some time. And it's, uh, first of all, congratulations on the award. I actually was in Boston at the Bastille Day celebrations at the consulate there, and someone came up to me and said, you're from Providence, and talked about you getting the award. So, oh, thank you. Uh, Yes, it, it really is a comprehensive and holistic approach to security and safety and policing in the community. It's not just about responding to the radio calls and the 911 calls. It's a short-term approach as well as a long-term approach. It's a reactive approach as well as a proactive approach. It, and it focuses on not only enforcement but preventative type measures. And we work with so many partners in the community, not only law enforcement. Obviously, we deal with all of our law enforcement partners, uh, surrounding municipalities, uh, our state police partners, our federal partners, DEA, ATF, U.S. Attorney's Office, Attorney General's Office. I mean, there's so many to, to focus on. But as well, we have so many nonprofit and private partners. And every single Tuesday, we meet as an organization. We have a staff meeting. And at those staff meetings, not only do we have the division commanders from the respective patrol districts and the commanding officers who run the respective narcotics, detectives, youth service bureau units, we also have our private partners. So we are truly a, a community policing model police department in that we are decentralized. So we have taken for a number of years, of, as you've identified, Barnaby, uh, we've taken the police department to the community. So, in essence, I am the colonel chief of police, but we have, we're broken down now into five districts, and each district is manned by a lieutenant who is a commander of that district. So, he is, in essence, the mini police chief in that district. Downtown. Yeah. You've got Noel some great Hinn. people in those positions, too, and he, I know several of them. For yeah, years, so, uh, yeah. Lieutenant Mike Figueroa yeah. was your yeah. mini police chief uh, yeah. district commander, and now you have Lieutenant O'Hara, and prior yeah. to that, you had Timmy Lee. Yeah. And we really do have good people, and they're, they're committed, they're very engaged in every activity in their respective district in the city. And on weekends, nights, daytime, when there's an event in their respective district, you'll see the district commander or their sergeants or some of their people at these events. And it's important for us to maintain that solid connection with the community because that's what it's all about. We are a big part of the community, and everything we do focuses on the needs of the community. It's a very proactive, constructive partnership of uh, trying to figure out how to make it work. Well, know, it was interesting because when I first met with you, and I'm sorry to interrupt, Barnaby, oh, um, one of the things that I found fascinating, because um, I thought we were just going, last. it was last year you and I met, and you told me about the 150th, and then we said, oh, water fire, and we'll start planning. But when I went and sat with you in your office, and you were explaining, again, some of this community outreach, and you've got programs where you're walking kids from the school bus home and keeping them safe. Can you explain a little bit more about some of these programs that you're doing that yeah, really so do touch people, like, individually? Yeah, it's so important for us to be involved in these uh, unique community events. And that was a program started by Family Services of Rhode Island. And uh, there was a girl there that uh, really did some research about the absenteeism and tardiness of young boys and girls in the community. And they found that many of their 
uh, single parent families had a hard time getting their young boys and girls to school and they felt for their uh, safety walking to school alone long distances. Therefore, they just wouldn't send them to school. So they developed this walking school bus uh, initiative and many leaders in the community, uh, political uh, community leaders, stepped forward in as well. We did, the Providence Police and uh, the Providence Fire Department, but we routinely partake in this walking school bus initiative, and it's a w- uh, another way for us to connect with the young boys and girls and young men and women in the community, and that's only one. I mean, we, we had a really fascinating initiative uh, that we've done several times in the Providence housing developments, and it's called the Youth Police Initiative, where we would take up to a dozen police officers to engage in a three- or four-week program with young boys and later girls in the community, and they would engage in this session. And these were at-risk youth who had been touched up uh, either in school or with the law, and they didn't generally know the police, therefore they didn't generally uh, take a real liking to the police in the beginning. But by the end of the program, there was such a bond. In the first graduation I went to for that event, all the young men were dressed in suit and tie and uh, looking like they were straight out of uh, freshman year of Harvard. And I'll tell you, that first graduation, 10 of the 12 boys uh, who had an opportunity to go to the microphone after receiving their diploma said that their goal in life was to be like their mentor. They wanted to be a Providence police officer. And and that was really fascinating, and and it's just one indication and one example of how we mentor young men and women in the community. And that was pretty good. Yeah, and you know, I, I know also, and we're going to be taking a break in just a minute or so, but that leads me right into something that you're doing, which again, when I talked to you, blew my mind. You're creating a foundation. There's going to be a Providence Police Foundation so that you can actually do more in the, com- more in the community. Yes, I, I've thought about this for a while, and I think there's another layer that we can go to or to further connect us with the community and give back to the community. So I'm looking to start a foundation, a 501c3. Uh, That may take us some while to make it a 501c3, but initially we'll be looking for donations from large uh, corporations and people in the community for us to give back to the community with the name of the Providence Police on it, whether it be Little League Baseball and uh, uh, Silver Lake. Hold that thought because I want to hear more about that because that is just awesome. Thank you, Colonel Clemens. Hello, 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 and welcome back. And you are listening to Waterfire Ignites Rhode Island. I'm Bronwyn Dannenfelter, and I am here with Barnaby Evans and Colonel Hugh Clemens, the Chief of Police of Providence. And we've just been talking about, one, all of the um, incredible work that you are doing here. And we are, we're we're very grateful, even at Waterfire, for everything that you do with us. Um, but even you further reach out into the community and the new foundation that you're starting and your proactive movement with everybody uh, in the community. So, again, um, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, and then we're going to move on uh, pretty soon to talk about, I'd love to hear a little bit maybe about what you see behind the scenes, you know, as working in Providence with all, we're known as one of the arts capitals or the creative capital. How, how is it for you? And, you know, there's a lot of festivals always going on. 
They really are, and we meet weekly as a command staff, but besides that, we probably have, uh, you know, 50 meetings a week. There's certain uh, supervisors on the police department will get involved with, and you know very well, uh, Major Verdi and Sergeant Martinos, uh, they're very engaged with every step of the way, the major events downtown, uh, including water fire. That's a huge event. There's a lot that goes on behind the scenes for the safety and security for the tens of thousands of people who, who attend these events. I mean, we'll have a 50,000-person event downtown where we won't even have a car window broken into. And then, mm-hmm. unfortunately, we are a city, and we could have a shooting later on at night, and oftentimes the media will pick up on that, uh, a shooting in, in yeah. Providence. Mm-hmm. And But we, we have, and we really painstakingly put a lot of effort into safety and security downtown, and I think our teams work very well together over the years, and, and we've yeah. done a, a fabulous, fabulous have, job. And, and uh, uh, Colonel, you have a sense of just how much work there is behind the scene for water fire, too. Our crews are out there around the clock trying to make it work. But there is a, 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 a mood at water fire where people are so, so well-behaved. I rem- two stories I remember. One is uh, the FOP had their big national convention here in Providence. 2003. 2003. And those officers came from all over the United States, and they were so impressed with Providence and wandering on water fire and said, you know, I'm a police officer. I don't like crowds, but it really feels comfortable here. And uh, the other thing I remember is one of your officers coming up to us early on in water fire, and he was in his dress dress whites, and uh, he said, I can't tell you how wonderful it is to be seeing the public in these circumstances. We're usually there when there's a problem. And it's just so great to be able to talk to people and see everyone smiling and for them to see how safe downtown Providence is and how beautiful it looks in the middle of water fire and everyone just wandering around. And I'm here to, you know, tell them which street is where and things like that. It's true. I mean, when I was in, uh, in patrol in uniform and I would work that event and that detail often, and people from all over the state, not yeah. only Providence, all over the state, all all over New England, and it, it's become an inter- international event. And people adore water fire, yeah. and it's of great value to the police department because it really allows us to put a different cap on and to deal with the public in a different way. It's it's a great event, and it's also a great value to the city in that. I think, thanks to your efforts, the city is safe, and I would encourage people to come down to visit the restaurants and the theaters, and it, the media always finds something to lead with, but I find the city of Providence to be a very safe and wonderful and welcoming place for people to come on any night, water fire nights, all the rest of the time, and it's a lot of it's the work that you guys have been doing. It, it truly is. I mean, it is a capital city, and our statistics bear that out. Uh, the crime numbers downtown are pretty remarkable and uh for years pretty remarkably on, low as i remember remarkably yeah, yeah, yeah. low yeah. and for years we've had a uh, great success on water fire nights downtown and uh we'll continue to do that so again i think that we're going to have to talk about that 150th celebration yeah coming so what down, are we doing august 9th i think brahman's eager to tell us so uh, i am yeah, well we've been working hard on this um <laughs> well one thank you so much to our friends at national grid because they sponsored the entire lighting um, for that night, but they really wanted to do it. Uh, one of their biggest questions was, are you doing something with the Providence Police to celebrate their 150th anniversary? And I said, well, of course we are. And we were still 
trying to figure out what we were going to do. But for the first time um, in over a year, the ballroom will be opened back up in a celebratory manner and a huge, big old birthday bash for Providence's finest at 150. So let's get back to this, Hugh. I asked you this before we even came on the air, and I said, I know this is going to sound like a daft question, but we just celebrated the 375th anniversary, right, of the founding of Rhode Island. And so when I heard it was the Providence Police's 150th anniversary, I had to ask, well, was, were you combined with something before, or what's that all about? Yes, interesting question. Uh, as the city began to develop, after the revolutionary days there became a point in time where people wanted to feel secure in their community in their neighborhoods and uh, the city of Providence actually uh, developed watchmen security people and night watchmen and footmen and this happened for many years prior to the department being formally organized and chartered uh, going back as early as 1851, they were night watchmen and footmen right. in mm-hmm. the city of Providence. But it wasn't until August 12th of 1864 that Mayor Thomas Doyle officially uh, signed into ordinance and charter the Providence Police Department. And from there, uh, we've had a, a glorious, proud legacy. As uh, one of the oldest police organizations in the United States, I believe. It really right? is. Yeah. Uh, there were a lot of northeast cities that began around that time, uh, a couple of year gaps, but we are one of the oldest police departments in the United States. And so I think it's fitting that we will be kicking off that lighting with 150 retired policemen and current and active uh, men on patrol, I would say. That's correct. So we'll be kicking off with a ring of fire and then an actual parade, which I cannot wait for this with some mounted policemen, some motorcycle policemen, but led by the fife and drums, which... The pipe and drum band. Oh, it's the pipe and drums. The pipe and drum How come band. I always thought it was a fife and drum? No, the pipe and drum band. Well, that's good. Yeah. Thanks for correcting me. Any pipes. Yeah, <laughs> pipe yeah. yeah, we love showing off our uh, our extra units, so we'll be there as a command staff with the uh, the honor guard, the mounted command, the uh, pipe and drum band, and uh, yeah, we look forward to that, to really show off the Providence Police Department. We really are a proud legacy. I know a lot of retirees are proud that we're doing this event. And uh, the book has been completed, which you have in front of you, Bonnie. Yeah, the book is absolutely wonderful, and it's coming out on your anniversary on August 12th. Yes. Uh, we're going to see if maybe we'll have it available at Waterfire, but I don't want to get too ahead of your publication date. But it is so full of wonderful pictures, and it was uh, researched by Paul Campbell and John Clancy and George Pearson and it's an amazing book. It's the, the City of Providence archivist, Paul yeah, Campbell, yeah. he's a great writer. Uh, he uh, he started this endeavor probably a year ago. He's done a fantastic yeah. job. Boston Police and the NYPD have done similar books. Uh, he did a tremendous job in this book. And uh, as well, we're going to have exhibits from some of the old uniforms and uh artifacts and pictures from the Providence Police Department. So there's going to be an exhibit on August 5th, uh, one at the Providence Public Library downtown and one at City Hall. The one at City Hall will commemorate the 17th, 18th, and 19th century history, and the one at the Providence Public Library will be the 20th century history of the Providence Police. August 7th, we're going to have a book signing event with Paul Campbell and uh, P. 
people who authored the book and provided uh, insight into the publication. That'll be at Barnes and Nobles, and then August 9th will be this uh, water fire that we are so looking forward to, and there'll be many events that will be further announced prior sure. to that date. And then August 12th will be the book release party at the Public Safety Headquarters. So and I believe we have a band playing on the stage. We, we do. We so we we've got Roger Cerisi and yeah. the All Stars, who we all love, um, and some great swing music happening. We also have uh, Tony Serbo. Love I it. mean, he's fantastic. So we he, we saw him recently, didn't we? And we just when we it's fitting, perfect yeah, for Waterfire. Yeah. Oh, Very Sinatra, yeah. Michael Bublé like. Um, and I think he's going to rock the house. So thank you so much, Colonel Clemens. And we cannot wait for the 150th anniversary. And at the end of the show, I'm going to let you know how you can help and how you can be part of that um, celebration as well. So thank you for all the good work you do. And thank you so much for having me on. It's important to the Providence Police. Thank you. Thank you, Colonel. Delighted to have you. And hello, 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 and we are back, and you are listening to Waterfire Ignites Rhode Island. Here on AM 790, your station for talk and business. And boy, what a wonderful interview with Colonel Hugh Clemens. Just an incredible gentleman. And, you know, they're celebrating the 150th anniversary of the Providence Police at Waterfire on August 9th. And again, we want to do a very special um, shout out to Tim Horan and National Grid, who without their support, that whole entire fire would not be possible. So thanks again for that. It's going to be a great night. The ballroom shall return in a night of celebration. But talking about celebration, it, it always makes me think of popping champagne for some reason. Doesn't it, Barnaby? It does indeed. And, and that's a, an interesting subject to raise right now. Yeah. And when I think of popping champagne, I, I, I think of this gentleman that we know, this very vivacious character who actually sabers champagne and, and did it at the last water fire, and that's you. I'm a very friendly and famous or infamous. I said, which one should I call you, Bob? But Bob Burke. Um, Robert Rep- Ignatius Loyola Burke. All right, wait, all right, so what's the whole Bonjour. full name? Yeah. <laughs> Bonjour. Bonjour. Yes. Robert Ignatius Loyola Burke. Yeah. Yes. All right, but can the, we call uh, you Bob just to keep I it I would. Yeah, I think that that's a lot easier. The, the owner of Boring. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, just for a moment, let's talk about Potiphar. Uh, uh, Potiphar. Uh, the co-owner of Potiphar with my wife, Annie, who Absolutely, you know well, my I beautiful wife. So, uh, the co-owner of Potiphar, which is a really wonderful restaurant. I was there just the other night, and, uh, you know, this classic French cuisine done perfectly, directly under the uh, the gaze of Julia Child. Is, uh, <laughs> she stands you know, there. The, the only place people could see, we have this wonderful photograph of Julia Child on the stairs. It's the only place in the world they can see it because it was from um, the book signing of her major work, her major opus, The Way yeah. to Cook, in yeah. 1989. And we, were, uh, we cooked crepes for 600 people. people. Yeah, Julia uh, says... Oh, I wanted something easy. (laughs) (laughs) We're thinking, what, compared to a rack of lamb? I mean, and we uh, did a demo beforehand. She flips the crepe in the air. It lands on her forearm. So so she catches it on her forearm, yeah. Dick Benjamin, the great photographer from the Providence Journal, snapped it, got Mm -hmm. it. Well, about a year ago, Mike Delaney, 
uh, the photo editor at the journal, finally relented and gave us a copy. Mm-hmm. And he said, you can't sell it. You can't sh- do anything other than make a print and hang it in the restaurant. But when you come down the stairs, you see this wonderful picture, Julia, in that moment, as only she could do it. Yeah. The crepe is hanging off her forearm. <laughs> and I could tell you the fun part of it was is that the minute it happened, she immediately went, oh! And threw it <laughs> in the pan and kept going like nothing had happened. Now, was, that's a true show business lady, you know? Oh, Absolutely. Vintage Julia. And, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it so was. She's under, we, we're under her gaze, and we, we know it, and we're careful about it. How did you Absolutely. meet her? Actually, Annie and I had gone to Paris. It was 1987. We had owned the restaurant for a year. Annie had started there in 1980 as a uh, server and uh, rose through the ranks to general manager. And then we bought it in 86. And we thought, gosh, we got to get to Paris, see what's going on with the food scene. Off we go. Well, while we're in Paris, Julia comes in to have lunch. And um, we, we were calling into the restaurant on these big old pay phones. There were right. no calling cards. There was no, no you know, no, anything. Yeah. And and Annie's standing there pumping five franc coins mm-hmm. into this giant box, which is devouring them because right. it's transplanted. Yeah. We get our manager on the phone, and she says, you'll never believe who's having lunch here. And I said, I don't care. Is everything okay? You know, I just want to know, is the restaurant okay? Finally, she blurts out that Julia Child's having lunch at the restaurant. And Annie drops the coins on the floor. The line goes dead. I mean, we were despondent. Here we were. The one time in our lives Julia might show up at the restaurant. We're in Paris. Of course. Well, she was so gracious. She loved it. She autographed people's yeah. menus. And she mm-hmm. was just, well, about about a month after we got back, we got an invitation. She had said to uh, uh, the manager and the chef, you know, where are the owners? You know, she said, well, they're. They're in Paris trying to, you know, <laughs> learn ingredients. more. Trying to meet you. <laughs> and, um, and she says, why, that's just where they ought to be, you know. <laughs> and um, about a month later, we got an invitation to go to Boston and meet her at Maison Robert. Yeah. And right. she was just delightful. And that became a series of times that she came to. We actually got to go up one time and have dinner at her house in Cambridge, which was just amazing. So she, she was so much fun. She's uh, a garden angel. I uh, received an honorary doctorate from Brown University the same year that she received an honorary doctorate from Brown yeah. University. And that was a great adventure, meeting with her in the morning and all the discussions and all the dinners. And I think Jacques Pepin lit Waterfire that night because she didn't want to yeah. get on the get on the boat. Yeah, well, but, they are two of the great... Yeah. Yeah. You know, when we look today in the restaurant business for examples of people who truly... Um, Jacques Pepin, who's also been a friend of the restaurant and just a wonderful, wonderful man to meet. And um, I've actually played croquet with him, which is really, really, he's just a delightful guy. But, um, you know, they're, they're, they, they set this bar so high. Um, and they didn't set it in a way that, like, Martha Stewart sets it. You know, right. Martha wants you to jump over it like you're in a dog and pony show. And she right. wants you to hit the bar and fail. And both Jacques Pepin and Julia Child just want you to succeed. You know, yeah. they and just enjoy it. Exactly. And absolutely enjoy it and be in the moment. Yeah. And yeah. that excitement. Well, you know, I've all, I've had some amazing meals, uh, you know, at uh, Padofa, and I thank you for those, and I encourage people to go visit them. But uh, there was a recently, uh, just two days ago, was um, Bastille Day, and we had water fire two days before that on July 12th. And we've often 
honored Bastille Day for maybe 10 years now with appropriate music and special things and things like that. But we were so pleased to take it up a few notches uh, the other day. So it looked like you were enjoying yourselves. As, uh, I was faking it. For you. <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell you when I have had more fun than water fire. I mean, what an event. It's just, and you know, for people uh, I, I, to be out in yeah. the middle of that basin. Yeah. And to I remember you were out there with uh, some commissioner from Buenos Aires, wasn't it? About uh, two you years were in ago. Singapore. I was yeah. in Singapore in that Bobbin night. Angler. That was actually a funny moment because I I I said to the um, I said to the uh, cultural attaché who yeah. was in I said I said watch this Bonnerby's going to answer his phone and he said how do you know that and I had pressed your number on my phone and you pulled yours and he goes how did you make that happen? but it was the idea but that's the thing about water fire that was, that was all the way around the globe you, we could not have been further away that yeah was and it's it's that international flavor uh, but to be in the middle of that basin and see the legions of people who are coming yeah. out for this event all smiling. It's amazing. Yeah. It's just such a wonderful, wonderful creation. I mean, Barnaby, you know I've said for years, you are the new Christo. You are the artist who more than anybody else, and so much more than Christo. Christo does these visual kinds of things that yeah. are impressive as a visual Very intriguing, art. but they're, they're an art statement. Yeah. But what you do is you, you really reach into people's hearts with your art, between the fire, the water, the music, the camaraderie, the sense of community that Water Fire creates in the city of Providence is just absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. I've never experienced anything like it anywhere and else our, in It's any important there the that everyone feel a, a part of it, uh, that we... Uh, you know, I think you've uh, said this before, that there really aren't any spectac- spectators. Everyone's part of the event. They're involved and in they're engaged with it. That's We're the all responsive, you see. Everyone's participants. Mm-hmm. And so for Bastille Day, you did something that uh, we'll probably go into the next segment because we've only got we, a few minutes. We've got to take but, a quick break. But, uh, but, yeah, you did something pretty amazing. I want to talk about how you actually do this. Yeah, we'll, we'll, sabering. Get, we'll get to that in the I next tell segment. tell you, but I'd have to kill you. But <laughs> uh, I do want to encourage people to take a look at the podcast we do in this show, which is waterfire.org forward slash radio. And this is show number five where you will find this. But you also find a lot of other resources and some pictures of what we're about to talk about. Hello, 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 and we are back, and you are listening to Waterfire Ignites Rhode Island, and we are just having such a good time here with our favorite French restaurant proprietor, uh, amongst many other things, um, Bob Burke. Thank you, Bob, for being here. I'm delighted. Thank you. Yeah, and I know that you and Barnaby are going to talk a little bit again about what you did at Waterfire uh, last Saturday, but I'm just going to throw this in there because we were talking about it at the break. Anyone out there who did not see Bob's recipe for, we're going to call it the Johnny Bobby cake, but it's a Johnny cake that Bob Burke has made, and it's in bacon fat, and it's with coffee syrup. Go to the road show, check it out. Unbelievable. So thanks for the recipe, Bob, but n- now back to water fire stuff. <laughs> well, My you know, pleasure. on on July 12th, which was the Saturday closest to July 14th, which is, of course, the French national holiday of Bastille Day, we have always done um, a series of songs, and we had wanted to 
to bring it up a little bigger this year because the French are rebuilding the historical vessel that Rochambeau and Lafayette used to come from France over to more or less save the American Revolution. They came in, uh, Bob and I were talking yesterday, this was really like the Normandy landing, and uh, they came in and brought troops and reinforcements, and this was in 1771, I think. Should I get the exact time? Um, and no, Roche- no, 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 81. Would have been... 1781. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. okay. yeah. Ben Franklin right. was over in France trying to convince Lafayette to... Um, Join forces with right. us because the British were his enemy also. Exactly. And uh, and you're right. It, this really is the, the the Normandy landing of the Revolutionary of the War. The American Revolutionary. We 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 needed their their support. We needed their help. We were outnumbered. And and he landed in Newport. And then he came up to Providence. And he lived. The the encampment was here in Providence for over a year. And hence we have both Camp Street and Rochambeau Avenue. And uh, he had a hospital at Brown University. And for a long time, uh, they prepared for the various assaults that allowed us to become the nation we are. Yeah, I don't think Brown University Med School is even uh, aware that the heritage uh, of... They actually used University Hall, which is where the president's office is now. It's the oldest building on Brown University. Absolutely. And um, they used that as the infirmary for the most severely wounded of the French soldiers from the revolutionary battles. Yep. You know, there's, there's so much history in Providence, and we like to bring it to the surface in interesting ways that we do with the Gatsby, and we're working on some stuff with Rochambeau as well, working with the Alliance Française and the French Council, and um, we're hoping that next year, around Bastille Day, this restored vessel will be here in Providence, and we're working on that now. But as part of our preparation for that, we worked with the Alliance Française, and we had Bob Burke and the French Council come down, and on July 12th, three days ago, we, as part of the Going up the river, we rechristened uh, our boat Athena to be Marianne, who is the personification of liberty leading the people. And on that boat, we had yourself, Bob Burke, and Magali Bouteau, and Andre King from the city of uh, Brest. And you were car- cradling in your arm a bottle of uh, two magnums of Moet Chandon, and uh, you had a large saber. And so tell me about the Napoleonic tradition of sabering champagne. Well, this goes back, and and when people see this, sometimes they think it's a a little trick where I'm knocking the cork out of the bottle. But the the wire basket stays firmly in place on it. Right on the glass. It's an actual decapitation. We slice the glass. And I was inducted in 1990, uh, becoming one of the first of uh, six North Americans at that time who had been inducted into this previously exclusively French Club des Sabreurs of Moët de Chandon. And um, coincidentally, Julia Child was also inducted at that time. Mm, very good. And um, uh, it goes back to Moët, uh, Jean-Rémy Moët, knowing that celebrity would help sell his product. And uh, he invited Napoleon and Josephine, as the two most famous people in the world, up to uh, enjoy the champagnes. Of course, you can't, you know, you can't tell the kids, "Hey, you got to move out of your bedroom. The emperor's going to stay." You know, you got to build him a palace. So he built him a palace, a lot like the Newport Mansions called Trianon. And uh, Annie and I had dinner there one night, and just amazing to realize that this was done so they could have a dinner. Yeah. And um, 
while he was being guarded, so many people wanted to kill Napoleon, and while he was being guarded, his elite corps of swordsmen, at the end of their um, uh, of their shift, they would get their daily ration of grog, which meant they'd get a bottle of champagne. They didn't like messing with the cork any more than any of us do. Next thing you know, sacre bleu, out comes the <laughs> saber, and zack, you know, <laughs> off goes the top of the bottle. Champagne uh, sprays uh, everywhere, and and this is the foundation of the Moitié Chandon Club des Sabreurs. So I continue the tradition to this day, and we do it for people at the restaurant. If somebody's got an anniversary or birthday, they can come down, and I'm more than happy to savor a bottle of champagne for them. We, of course, do it for a lot of weddings and, yeah. you know, rehearsal dinners, corporate events, celebrations. So It's impressive. It's, I mean, well, it's, it's a grand <laughs> tradition, and, Bob, you do it with great theater and verve and uh, and daring. It's not, it's not undangerous. You're in the front line there. And, uh, Bottles under 100 pounds of pressure. So you can imagine yeah. your car tires under about 32 pounds of pressure. If you can imagine with your face six inches from it when it <laughs> blows out. But I can tell you, Barnaby, I don't think I have ever in my life had more fun sabering a bottle, actually two <laughs> bottles of yeah. champagne, <laughs> two than I did champagne, yeah. out there in the water fire basin with the Flames flying. I looked like I was at the gates of hell. <laughs> just, I looked at the video and I thought, oh, my God. Yeah. But it could not have been more fun. By far the largest live audience that I have ever yeah. sabered before. Well, as we as the, we came up, the uh, Alliance Francaise was ready to sing, and we started to sing the Le Marseillais, and everyone was singing along with it. And then you came up, and right to the beat of the music, you sabered off the champagne. And when this happens, it creates a great fountain of, of foam and champagne. It, it must have gone 25 <laughs> feet in yeah, the air. Yeah, it goes about two say. to three stories in the air. Do you ever you? feel like you're wasting too much champagne? You know, I and people ask that question <laughs> often. And I say, is there a bottle of champagne you will ever remember more mm, yeah, absolutely. than, than <laughs> the, the, this the, one? The, of the, all the <laughs> dozens or hundreds of <laughs> bottles of champagne you may have drank in your life, this is the one. You're going to remember. You will remember. Absolutely. And, um, and it's true. And it true. tastes the best after seeing it. it. Absolutely. It, it, billions of people have yeah. had sips of champagne, billions of glasses of champagne, sir. It never tastes better than it does from the sabered bottle. And there's a relative handful of people yeah. who have ever done that. And Barnaby, we didn't connect with you at the end of it the other day, which means we're going to yeah. have to come That's back right. and saver um, another bottle and make magnums. sure you get well, a glass of it. A year from now, we're going to do it again. <laughs> well, you know, the fun, well, I, was, I Googled this, and it said that Napoleon has been known to have said that champagne... In victory, one deserves it, and in defeat, one needs it. So that's absolutely, absolutely, <laughs> it's, it's absolutely true. Well, and my favorite champagne quote is from actually Dom Perignon, yeah, oh yes. who was a blind monk, yeah. who was the creator of champagne. Absolutely, and, I remember and it. Even though he was blind, when he tasted, he said, "I have tasted the stars." Absolutely. Oh, that's good. Isn't that beautiful? I do have it's like even that. better than Brie Sèvres. Mm. So, but yeah, it was a wonderful tradition, and our French guests were overjoyed and delighted, and the Alliance Francaise was there to sing. Our honorary consul, Began was there, and Began had a great time as well. And it's something we want to build towards for next year to do even better and invite everyone back. Well, you know, and I think it's important for people to realize, everybody thinks that Rhode Island's a quote-unquote Italian state. There are almost equal numbers of people from Italian, French, and Irish, Irish heritage. Yeah, absolutely. And it really is something where uh, we really want to encourage people to celebrate their French heritage, uh, whether through Canada or directly yeah. from France. But uh, this was a wonderful event to highlight that 
also highlight the great history uh, and this sort of hands across the water. So it's a special relationship, and thank you so much for doing what you did. Thank people, you. People can see that if they go on the website, waterfire.org forward slash radio, and it's show number five. We'll have some video of that, which we'd recommend people take a look at. Thank you so much, Bob. Merci. So again, I want to thank everybody for joining us and listening at AM790, your station for talk and business. We enjoy every Wednesday with you, um, and we hope that you'll be back with us next Wednesday and hear a little bit more about an incredible fire happening on July 26th, Rhode Island defeats Hepatitis C.